1: Wow.
2: Hello and welcome to the Born Japan podcast. Probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing?
1: I'm all right. I didn't tell you before the recording, Chris, but I was slightly fractious because I thought uh, the John the Juice around the corner had got my order wrong and omitted my avocado and jalapeno uh, sandwich for the morning. That's the kind of thing I eat in the morning. Um, but it turns out I've looked into the bag and they actually haven't. So I've got a coffee, I've got a jalapeno sandwich, and I'm ready to go for Wednesday.
2: <laughs> You're living the London dream, aren't you?
1: I am. What more could you want? Well, it's, in lockdown, I've sort of got involved with the old John the Juice. Um, what would you call it? A join the juice uh, app. It's basically an app that basically uh, uh, you can order food and then pick things up contactless. That's it. that's an absolute treat for me. I'm, I might continue using it. I don't even like join the juice usually. It's a it's a it's a it's a coffee shop that constantly plays really loud music, so you can't really concentrate or talk to your friends. <laughs>
2: I can't even work I can't work out how you're pronouncing that. Joe and the juice.
1: Joan and the yeah, juice. Yeah, Joe and the Juice. I think it's it might be New it might be New York. I think the American listeners may maybe be more off here with it, but there was yeah. a few that turned up uh, about five years ago. Um, and it's just so loud. I only ever went in there because they used to do a licorice latte and I love licorice.
2: Oh, well you're lucky. So you've got that and tapioca shops the world over <laughs> on every street <laughs> of soho. We're getting That's
1: back quite... on, on uh, we're getting back on top.
2: <laughs> my resounding memory of soho in london is just tapioca um sorry bubble tea yeah. not tapioca bubble tea shops every turn
1: <laughs> people are selling bags of flour like flowery tapioca for you Ooh, delicious
2: well while you've got your jalapeno sandwich and coffee and various things i am drinking i'm not drinking coffee today you'll be pleased to hear
1: celebration oh my god oh not nothing for however, chris
2: I ha- well, I am drinking a really quite awful energy drink called G-Zone, or just Zone. can't work out wow. what character that is. And I, a lot of people have been telling me about this, like, you should try this drink, Chris. On account of the weird English on the front, it's kind of a, a new up-and-coming energy drink that's on the shelves with mm. Red Bull, and uh, it <laughs> describes itself as digital performance energy. Digital performance. And they've got this really like this little bit of artwork on the front underneath the logo that describes the sense of immersion of being in the digital performance zone. And it's just like a little graph. (laughs) I've got some arrows pointing downwards (laughs) and a little circle. And it just says sense of immersion right here. Um, Suffice to say, tastes awful. Won't be drinking that ever again. I don't Mm -hmm. feel a sense of immersion and I don't feel any digital performance. There is a little bit of English on the back as well that says play study work zone assists all the digital culture lovers to enjoy sense of immersion are you a digital culture lover Pete? I no
1: i, I mean I, I just like the fact that um you just almost think that they've kind of fallen at the first hurdle obviously red bull ubiquitous monster i'm trying to think of the other big what's the what's the third big uh energy drink brand like the big thick thick uh, thick cans uh, well, i can't remember it's now really like that's quite big
2: Oh, relentless. Yeah, that's not made it over here. Match is quite no. good. Well,
1: we'll, we'll, we'll that's so, so all of these are quite parochial, the ones that you're flirting with, because they clearly just haven't... They've obviously got that kind of decorative English on them, so they that's don't really they do. care whether they go outside of Japan or <laughs> with their digital just, energy nonsense.
2: It's quite an interesting one, because obviously the energy market, energy drinks market in Japan is pretty big, um, often mm-hmm. referred to as Genki drink, Genki Dorinku, because uh, it makes you feel Genki. But obviously a lot of people here do work like really long hours into the morning and so yeah it's a pretty big market for energy drinks and it's not uncommon to like walk down the street and there's just people handing out monster energy cans for free it's like part of a promotion Mm. like monster energy just go around the streets of tokyo with like a wagon handing out monster energy drinks um which is i don't know if that's good or bad good in the (laughs) sense free drinks bad in the sense it's not at all good for your health and just drinking this Zone digital performance. I just felt awful. Like I, what's
1: just... the, what's the classic kind of um, what what's the, what's the, that classic little V vitamin sort of the little brown bottle with the yellow top, a uh, very small glass bottle you see all over Japan. Um, that seemed to be the original kind of energy drink for the Japanese, didn't it?
2: Yeah, there's a few. There's uh, Deca Do you think of Decavita? Vita? Yeah, yeah, I think
1: I'm of that. Yeah, because have like, right. a kind of de- yeah, it's not too bad actually. It's not not too sweet. It's a bit like um a slightly more syrupy Red Bull, but it does mm. give a give a little pep in your step, so to speak. But like Absolutely. um haven't uh, haven't uh, I, I got a lot of tweets during the week, or maybe even mm. last week actually, um, about the mixture of a similar energy kind of drink with Coolish. They've got a new flavour <laughs> for Coolish, so there's a lot of, of people sort do. of um tweeting me about it. Um they, 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 yeah, they've they've been quite um They've been quite. Uh, you have been talking about it on, on the old, uh, on the old Lotte Coolish Twitter uh, like website bit <laughs> on their account. I'm, oh, I'm melting down, Chris. It's really warm here. I want a Coolish. Um, yeah, they've created a new. They've created a new flavour. They're calling about it, and they just don't want to send me any.
2: Poor old Pete. But I mean, but when you okay. are in Japan, if next time you're over, though, ladies and gentlemen, if you go into a convenience store, there's a fridge like by the front door usually, mm. and in it is just loads of little bottles of energy drinks. Really, Um mm. it's quite a big market. It's, they kind of make them look almost like medical products, don't they? Even Decovita yeah. is kind of like some sort of medical medicine potion, the bright yellow that, uh, one as
1: well that tastes really, really funny. And I saw yeah, that. All that, is Decavita, that um, yeah, that's Decavit. Is that Decavita, right? Well, the one with the one with. Um, the one CC with vitamin. Um, which vitamin which CC. what's the one that vitamin C? That might be the brown one I'm talking about. Either way, like there's one that's um, there's like a whole range of them that are supposed to help you with hangovers, uh, and 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 the Japanese yeah. swear by them. I think we've spoken about them before, and they've got a picture like a little cartoon liver on the front, which is very adorable. But you're supposed to drink yeah. them before you go out and get pissed.
2: Yeah, it's got some sort of root in it, and uh, I remember before we went out for our Osaka video shoot, we drank a few of those, didn't we? to see if they would work. We were going to film it and put it in the video, but I think the end result was they didn't work. We both had a really bad hangover <laughs> the day after the Osaka video. And uh, I, since then I just vowed never to drink them again. Just a waste of money.
1: Oh, Rather Moscow mules. Look, nothing can defeat a Moscow mule. They're way too strong. <laughs> you got to leave them alone.
2: Very true. Moscow mules all round. If you, if yeah, I just love a Moscow mule. Get a little bit of vodka. Um, but, this week, Pete, it's a very special week, and Ooh. I want you to guess why it is a very special week, because it's a special week. You have many times had I can special all of your
1: toes week. removed. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. It's I'm, not I'm not in the dark. I've got I've got nothing to work from.
2: It's May. Come on. You've, you can work it out. It's a very oh, it's special May. week. It's May. Oh, what happens it? in May? What happened in May many years
1: ago? Um, no. It's the... Hmm. Five-year anniversary of me losing all of my scissors dressed as Edward Hands? No, that's October. That's Halloween. I have no idea.
2: <laughs> well, it's the three-year anniversary of our friendship, isn't
1: it? Oh, is it? Have you know, are we um, Did Facebook remind you? Is this, the, is this the, the anniversary show? Did Facebook remind me? I know <laughs>
2: oh, very hello. well the first day we met because I looked it up in my Gmail account where he sent me an email. Uh, yeah, apparently, May 25th. I've actually got... I, that makes I, it I remember sound it was like a... you delete
1: all of my emails <laughs> apart from the first one so you don't forget my email address. That sounds like you've gone looking for my email address and you've found one email because that's the only one you can stand to have in your email box. How dare you? That sounds like the sort of thing I would do. Well,
2: I, you know, I remember, because for May, May is a big month for me because I remember it's the month we filmed Natsuki the movie. And while I was thinking about that the other day, I thought, wait a minute, Pete Donaldson, we met him. Uh in the same the same shoot while we we're doing it mm. in London, and uh, I've got I typed into uh, my old Gmail, Pete Donaldson. I typed in your email address, and apparently on May eleventh you followed me on f- Twitter or someone abs- Somebody, yeah. <laughs> some, I think you followed me on Twitter, and then on May twenty fifth I got even an email from you. on Twitter. <laughs> didn't follow me until then, and then May twenty fifth I've got an email that says, "Hey man." I love your videos. If you've yeah. got five minutes at some point, I'd love to interview you and Natsuki while you're here. We're based in Soho and it says underneath, sent from my iPhone, apologies for brevity. Brilliant. And then I will never moments apologize later for brevity again. <laughs> moments after that, there was another one, uh, saying, Natsuki, damn, sorry, autocorrect. Because in your first email you'd spent nat- you'd misspelt Natsuki as Natorki. I'd love to interview Ooh, you. Wonder, who, I,
1: I, well, look if you ever find the talkie, because that was the main reason for me to getting in touch as a radio DJ uh, to have a chat. I mean, that that's just. I think mean, this is this is like our origin story. Um, it is. I mean, it's underwhelming and badly spelled, but it's still our very origin story. It's very underwhelming
2: indeed. I and then I sent an email moments later, about an hour later, saying, "Hey there, we're actually in Soho today, right now. If you have some time, call me on oh seven four five various numbers, Chris." and that was just so lucky that you emailed us on that day while we were literally two blocks away from you any other time any other day wouldn't have happened so i call that fate and i call that but well, i th- i think destiny. also
1: that i think you had one eye on the future though chris in in many ways there was something deep inside you that thought this is a good idea i need to talk to this man because um i know for a fact you get a lot of offers, uh, you know, people arriving in Japan, people arrive wherever you are, basically, people will want to be go and have a drink with you because to, yeah. to a lesser extent, it happens to me too. Um, but when you're on holiday, you, you've, you've got things to do, so you're sort of running around. So, like, so if you so found yourself in a Fukuoka and you mentioned that you're on Fukuoka on the podcast a week away from when you actually were in Fukuoka, you'll always get a message from someone going, I live in Fukuoka, let's say, happy, let's have a drink. But it's just like you, you, you've only got two weeks to get everything done that you need to get done anyway. So it's kind of hard to kind of swing that. Um, so for you to take up the opportunity of a lifetime to appear on a 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday radio show in London, playing the best middle-of-the-road rock music, <laughs> you really did grab the bull by the horns, the opportunity, so to speak.
2: I thought it was bloody lucky. I really did because it was a nice little scene to slot into the documentary. It made it feel more credible
1: having a mainstream Um, radio show. Natsuki was um, even more threatening than I I thought he would be. So threatening. (laughs) I remember actually.
2: Oh, frightening! I remember uh, in the run-up to meeting you. After that email I think we decided to meet 2 hours later and we were in the middle of uh, London and I said I need to change I look like crap and I actually went and bought a really nice new shirt just to go and meet mm. you and to film that scene so that is the kind oh, of you effort I put in in those early days And I
1: think and I don't think you had an English phone number that you could use WhatsApp on so I think that's what we were using and I think the second time we, like we next time you were in London we went for um a drink got absolutely or do not mind admitting, um, and went I, think we went. I think we went for. Did we go to like uh the borderline or something? The uh the indie nightclub that's not there anymore in London, yeah. When it closed, um, <laughs> and I took like loads of pictures of you dancing and your friend spilling beer everywhere. Uh, and uh, I sent it via WhatsApp to what I thought was your WhatsApp number because we always communicate via line or email, don't we? We do, or a smoke signal or pigeon carrier, but we um but I sent a picture of you dancing to the number that you gave me in the first instance that I thought was your number. It wasn't your number. It was your friend's number. And then you were wondering why I was sending pictures of you having a dance uh, to somebody Yeah, that was just your mate, basically, who'd come over the first time. It was all very was confusing. All and it took me about a good hour to figure out what the hell was going on. I felt so bad. Nothing. I was like, I've not, I've not been... Taking pictures of you, Chris, and sending them to people I don't know. I've been—I was sending them to you for crying out loud! But you just gave me a a funky number.
2: Nothing short of a diplomatic incident. I was all (laughs) all right. right (laughs) Rather bizarre, to be honest. Why is Pete Donaldson, a guy I barely know, sending random pictures of me to my friends dancing like a (laughs) drunkard? Luckily, we now know that's not the sort of thing Pete would do. But thought it might be at the time. there you go. That's a nice story, though. I do like it how how we did meet. I think it's quite a cool little story. Kind of it's, tells it's you like to when you... take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and uh, take yeah, every opportunity grab, that comes at you. Grab
1: every opportunity, and then this has been an opportunity. <laughs> it doesn't feel like an opportunity some Wednesday mornings, some Tuesday mornings, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's like sort of dipping into your email email account and just finding a load of old emails from like. Your ex, and it's a bit like oh, it's a bit uncomfortable. Don't like reading do these. I found a load of um, uh, birthday cards from my ex from her thirtieth birthday recently when I was tidying up. Right. Now she's approaching forty. Should I send them? Because I shouldn't have them. Uh... They're just all her all her friends saying happy birthday, happy thirtieth. Blah blah blah. blah. And I was like, oh, I don't need these, and I can't throw them away. So what do I do with them? Burn them. Burn <laughs> them all. <laughs> I'm going to no, send them to your
2: friend. yeah
1: i remember doing a similar thing though
2: i've still got things locked away in a cupboard from a previous relationship anyway there you go take the ball (laughs) by the horns that's the moral of the start of this podcast ladies and gentlemen and do go back and watch natsuki the movie and relive the magic Mm. of uh of the time we met which is all on camera and the opening scene of natsuki the movie as well good times loved it um news what's going on in japan this week mr donaldson what have you seen what have you heard
1: um, I've heard there's a certain, uh, I'm, I'm sort of doing like a kind of tabloidy Wicked Whisper. I've heard that a certain tall boy is closed for business in 2020. <laughs> Will that do? Will that work? Yeah, that'll work.
2: I suppose, do you know what you call uh, Mount Fuji in Japanese? What, how you would say
1: Oh, it? Fujiyama. So Yama, what? Uh, no.
2: Fujisan. Fujisan. Yeah, hey, good. Fujisan. So that is a Japanese name. So I suppose you could call it a tall boy. Um, and that was speedy Japanese for this week, done, sorted. Fuji-san. Any mountain in Japan, you can tag san on afterwards. San literally means mountain, right? It's uh, tagged on with any word. So any mountain, say a mountain, oh. add san, you've got it. Like uh, I live near uh, Chokai, Mount Cho- Mount Chokai, so Chokai-san. Or Haguro, Haguro, Haguro so Mountain. Kind of, so it's kind Haguro-san. of like the, the,
1: the pers- personification of, of like the Yama bit. It's just sort of like, yeah, it's a guy. Yeah, you know, a big guy. He looks over Tokyo. Yeah, he's a big guy. Pretty much. There you go.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you can you can read the kanji for Yama, the kind of three lines pointing upwards. Uh, you can read that as San. So same word, but obviously oh, in a sentence, really? it's Yama and tagged on after the name of the mountain. It's San. So interesting knowledge. But yeah, Mount Fuji sadly closed this year. I was looking forward to. I was. I was strongly considering. Re- you always say this. You're a Shut
1: disgrace. Up. As soon as it's closed, oh, I really <laughs> needed to be in there. Oh, it, I no. I was going to do it. I'm currently the fittest I've ever
2: been in a year, and I thought it'd be a great time to climb it. As a result, but now it's closed. Can't do it until 2021. 20, oh no, woe betide! But the reason oh, they closed no. it, obviously, is because of a certain virus which shall not be named. But uh, you might think, why would they close a mountain, right? Given it's a it's a bloody mountain, it's not the sort of place you traditionally associate with closed, cramped conditions, a place where viruses can breed. But for those of you that climb Mount Fuji, you'll know that it does create the nastiest human traffic jams. Uh, because the climbing season is quite short, it's from July 10th to September 10th, typically, uh, it means during that period, it gets phenomenally busy, particularly in August when I climbed it. And... When you get towards the top of the mountain, you get stuck in a in a queue for often hours at a time in close proximity to lots of other climbers. And so to stop that from being an issue this year, the two prefectures of which share Mount Fiji, two prefectures share it, Shizuoka Prefecture and Yamanashi Prefecture. They decided to close down all four hiking trails that lead to it uh, for the duration of the year. So no one will be climbing it, unfortunately. And so you'll have to wait to 2021 for those of you that were considering climbing it. And I do know that there are a few a few of you that were considering it because we've got some emails about it. So that's sad. We'll have to postpone our climb to next year, Pete. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, um, I'll start at the top. You start at the bottom. We'll meet in the middle. We'll have an energy jelly.
2: <laughs> I do, I, to be fair, the last time I climbed it, energy jelly was a very big part of the climb. Without that, it would have been <laughs> game over. Absolute nightmare. But like one of the reasons... I wanted to go back and do it. Is my previous video, which is was the most successful Mount Fuji video on YouTube, it got bugged because I used some music I shouldn't have used, and now the whole video got taken down. So I want to kind of reclaim my title of having the best, biggest, and best Mount Fuji video
1: once more. <laughs> do we know what the? Do we know what the song was? I'm, I'm interested to see what the hear what the song yeah, was. Yeah, it
2: was. Um... It was, I uh, think it was Rising by Yo- Rising by Yoshida Brothers, the kind of drum, taiko drumming and. Oh, the, um, right, okay. Shamisen. And uh, yeah, it's awkward because I think both my friends, Charlotte and Norm, Tokyo Lens, know the Yoshida Brothers. And I was like, can you just tell them? Can you just let it go? Tell them <laughs> to tell them. talk to Sony or whoever it oh, is. And just word. let it go. I
1: mean. I cannot imagine how difficult it would be as a recording artist to uh explain slash administer a pass on a purely algorithmic nonsensical piece of shit of a of a, of a bloody of a, a copyright strike. But I thought like with with videos, I thought it just they didn't take them down. They just said, You're not making any money out of this. We're making all this money because he was a tiny bit of music. Yeah, it depends
2: on the song. Like I think um right. I think it's Sony. I can't remember I think it's Sony. They can basically ban some countries, so I think you can actually watch the Mount Fuji video in the UK, and the US, and Europe, but you can't watch oh. it in Japan, which is where I am. So I can't actually watch I my see. video. Oh, so, so it's still rocking odd. up
1: the views. I, I could probably, I think I've seen it quite recently. But the the thing with um the thing with the relationship between YouTube and 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 and, and, and music uh, companies, it's a little bit further along than well, it's very further along than than certainly the podcast space. And people Mm. are under this kind of like very antiquated uh, idea that uh, you can somehow play 30 seconds of any piece of music in in a podcast. That's legally not in any way true, but people just still keep on doing it. It's like the Wild West uh, podcast. And the most disappointing thing is, is, is is as a content uh, provider, we are trying to be more responsible, even though it's like the Wild West and everyone's Mm. just using whatever they want. We've got rival football podcasts, for example, that will play clips of, um, rock music, clips of, of bands. And it, it really does add to the experience, but it's literally illegal. It like, there's, there's, there's no mm. license you can buy. Under the PRS laws of uh, – I don't know what PRS stands for, but it's basically like uh, it, it gives a certain amount of your – you pay for a license. Uh, you tell them what you've played for, what, where it's going to, how many people have listened, and, mm. um, and then they kind of portion out that money to the record companies. Let's make it very clear. It gets as far as the record companies, and the record companies probably just use it for, for their own nefarious means and, and not to the artist. But there is no license you can buy in the U.K., to play any kind of non-library uh, or, you know, created music. So it's, it's, it's actually stimulating a lot of creativity in the podcast space. I had to get to, uh, i stop, but uh, or, um, well, yeah, I hate I mean, to get I've, I've, in the weeds. But it's, it is actually quite frustrating that there's been no sort of like a relationship between uh, a podcast provider and a record company that would allow some kind of automatic working out of the uh, of how the money is is divvied up and stuff because you know it'd be really good to do like a music show we, like there's no music podcast there are no decent music podcasts because you can't play full tracks you, can't, you you're not even allowed to play 30 seconds in tracks but people just play fast and lives with the rules and it will only take one record company to turn around and go right popular podcast we'll have all your money thank you pretty much <laughs> retrospectively so you gotta be it's careful a-
2: dicey old market and it's a tough yeah. one to crack i yeah i completely sympathize i mean i had the same problem licensing music i tried to get uh which sounds ridiculous i tried to get rock the casper by the clash for Natsuki the movie and i got to the stage where i was speaking to someone at universal music about it and i just thought is this worth it because you need to get in touch with about four different companies and four different people to try and make it happen. Then the money would be considerable. It would dwarf the budget of the entire project just to get like three minutes of the clash and Rock the Caspar. Yeah. So yeah, it's a nightmare. And I realize we're getting a bit off topic, but yeah, it's a tough one. I Even last week in my new video, I thought about using five seconds of a song. I think I was going to use five seconds of Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears of Fears. And then I thought, no, probably not a good idea because I could <laughs> screw the whole video, bring it down and ruin everything. So it is a tough one. It is a tough one. But TikTok, you can do it. So get
1: into TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's got, yeah. Everyone, like I think in the US, parody seems to be very strong <laughs> like oh i've changed this slightly i've used this this uh this um brand for some reason and i'm allowed to do it but in the uk it's completely different and we are living in a global um globalized uh, economy and globalized world so people need to be a little bit more sensible about things like territory so it's ridiculous that i can watch your mount fuji video and the creator in japan cannot watch the mount fuji video it <laughs> seems very bizarre to me it doesn't make any sense but speaking of uh
2: responsibility and that i've i recently read that uh love hotel business is booming in japan because people are going and sneaking off to love hotels in the absence of being able to do anything else uh that's not social distancing could have find any better way to slip that news article in there but uh slip it in there chris go on slip it right while the pandemic While the pandemic is taking over, Love Hotels and Tenga are big winners. And for those of you who don't know what a Tenga is, Pete and I did discuss how to describe it best uh, before doing the podcast, and I'll let Pete describe what a Tenga is. But it's a product that has been doing big business recently as a result of the Mm. uh, pandemic.
1: What is it, Pete? It's a solo mill love toy. That works? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. <laughs> it's it's a silicon based ornithist's aid, so to speak. Brilliant, it is. And
2: I've got a photo of you standing inside one in a donkey t- hotel, uh, Sapporo. It,
1: it, it, it wasn't an actual photo. one because that would that, that would be me in completely encased encased in a, a sausage shaped silicon kind of chamber covered in lube. But that's not what was happening in in in, in Japan. It just seems that uh, it just seems baffling that there's a, there's a mass market sex toy for men that is just so accepted it's they're like the it's like the apple of sex toys but it's for men have you ever met a man from the west who's who's like admitted to owning a sex toy maybe they should i don't know but it's perverts it's love dolls it's sex dolls it's parts of the body that you just you know go away at so to speak it's it's not like something that anyone would ever um sort of uh uh, admit to but in in japan uh they're almost like you just see them in like convenience stores and stuff
2: pretty it's long. amazing it really is quite a miracle to be honest that such a thing exists i remember that when i first discovered it uh on the shelves of just like a convenience store like next to the food aisle they're everywhere i was like what is that My friend was like, Oh, that's a sex toy that you can just buy and everyone knows it. And it's just so, yeah, you're so widely used, so widely popular. It's become this kind of trendy, fun brand. It's kind of playful. Uh, it's next to like the children's fucking section in like shops like Don Quixote. I can't believe it. And you won't either when you come and see it. I, it's it's surreal. It really is, but it's no surprise given the situation that sales are booming. You know, people, Mm. if you go in a shop at the moment, they're quite hard to see on the shelf. Not that I would know don't really like or use them but like yeah the (laughs) shelves are empty when it comes to tengers. meantime love hotels are booming if you look at just a few weeks ago it was love the kind of term love hotels was trending uh on like twitter because people were just Trying to do things in Golden Week because Golden Week, Japan's biggest holiday where people usually travel and do things, was more or less cancelled. And so presumably, couples thought, "Let's go to a love hotel instead and have our own little mini holiday in a nice little room." So bad, and your hotel sex, staffers, congress <laughs> exactly. The love hotel staffers are kind of worn out from having so many customers come in. That these places are so full. So wow. it's quite interesting the you kind know, of economic effect and how things knock on like this that. Who'd have thought that Love Hotels and Tenga are big winners out of the coronavirus, while Mount Fuji is not a big winner?
1: Well, look, I'm, like you, I'm just saying, guys, during during Golden Week and during a time where you, you are kind of locked down with your partner, maybe consider sticking on the Abrojan Japan podcast while you're uh, in the middle of it. So,
3: our so- let, our
1: soothing, let our soothing voices bring you to fruition. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Disgraceful. But... Uh, just quickly going back to Mount Fuji. It will be reopened next year, guys. So if you do don't want to do try, it on Mount Fuji, mate. Don't, don't use a tenger on Mount Fuji either. Um,
1: <laughs> As the sun rises and a thousand Chinese tourists stand behind you, you bump away at a tenger. <laughs> the what land of the rising sun across Tokyo.
2: What a provocative image, but brilliant.
1: <laughs> Fuji san, you've really witnessed something. And then when you're finished, you just throw it. Off the top of the mountain, littering. rolling
2: a sea of tengas rolling down <laughs> the side of Mount Fuji.
1: Some evocative
2: imagery there. The sort of evocative, really wonderful is. imagery you would come to expect from the Abroad
3: Japan podcast. It's like, it's
1: like and now, rolling.
3: how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
2: Are you struggling to find something to watch during lockdown? You've drained Netflix, rewatched all your old favourites, and now you need something new? Well, we're here to help! Join us for Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head in a fight to the death. Please, the Kraken. Well, not death. We just decide which one is better. When they do a long shot of the crowd in the Ivory Tower, it's different to the close-up. And if you look closely, you can see E.T., Mickey Mouse,
1: Chewbacca, um, <laughs> no. Ewoks, and C-3PO. <laughs> so when Wolfgang Peterson went to Spielberg and went, Yeah, uh, could you maybe um, re edit? Did uh, my my movie? Uh, <laughs> Stephen Spielberg. Here. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm probably going to cut out
2: E.T. F- mate. I made that. <laughs> Find your new favourite movie or revisit an old classic with me, Alex Zane, Vicky Crompton, and Chris Tilly. New episodes out every Monday and Thursday.
3: Clash of the Titles is a Staccano production.
2: As we pre- as we quickly escape from this topic, <laughs> let's now turn Start our attention. To the fax machine. What have we got this week, Mr. Donaldson, in the fax oh, machine?
1: I wasn't ready. I didn't have my iPad. I bought a little iPad, you know what, just for this bloody show. and It was 200 quid and right. I wasn't ready, but now I am ready. Um, Excellent. Hey, it's Christian from LA. I'm a huge fan of you guys, uh, and I typically listen to the podcast while working at a brewery as a beer chemist slash microbiologist. Wow. Do you reckon Chris has got a lovely beard? with a a little moustache that he sort of twiddles around with, um, uh, moustache wax. (laughs) It kind of sounds like that. I I don't know. It just kind of sounds like that. He's got a lot of tattoos. Uh, And now a question uh, for Chris and the Coolish crusader himself. If you guys had the opportunity to open a foreign restaurant in Japan, what kind of restaurant would it be, and which city would you open it in? Keep the good work, and you guys rock. Christian, bless you. Ooh, it's quite a good one. I would say... A burger
2: restaurant because Japan lacks any good burgers or decent burger chains. Actually, that's a lie. We do have some Shake Shack's popping up in Tokyo, um, oh, really? but yeah, there's there's no Five Guys. There's no In and Out Burger. Uh, Moss Burgers all right, but it's just not the same as a proper juicy Western American style burger. So I'd say a burger restaurant chain.
1: How about you? I, I think nowadays though, burgers are getting too. They're, they're getting too juicy. <laughs> it's like getting nightmare. Too juicy. Burgers are just getting too juicy and and, getting and tall. too delicious. It's just getting too bit like it's getting to the point where I am seriously considering using a knife and fork. It's just it's and and like it's helped slightly if you have like an Impossible burger because they're a little smaller, like a like mm. a, a fake meat burger mm. because they they are naturally not as plump and juicy. So so you do get a little bit you do get a little bit more purchase. That's all. Remember that Japanese bloke who um came up with the perfect way to hold a burger. It was like a few years ago. He did loads of tests on how um, to maintain the structural integrity of a massive burger. And he had this technique where he used his little finger to cradle the back of the uh, burger, meaning that everything doesn't fall out the back. It was yeah. just a, a whole big thing. And he did it. ran all of these tests and stuff. And he came up with the perfect way to uh, to uh, hold a burger. So there's some burger ingenuity going on in there in, in, in Japan, just uh, I not in could... Moss Burger.
2: Well, that's pretty cool. You could build an entire burger chain around that concept called like Burger Hands, and it teaches you burger. the concept of holding the burger in place to maximize <laughs> just like a, enjoyment.
1: It's just like a massive burger. I would, I would probably, I've seen, uh, near, well, in Harajuku, um, people queue around the block for like really pedestrian popcorn. Really, pedestrian popcorn from Pete. Um, really, pedestrian, like really, sort of dull-looking popcorn. So, and there's loads of crepe shops and stuff, and people really are into crepes and candy and stuff. So, but I do think corner of Yoyoki Park and Harajuku. You know those um, roasts uh, in a Yorkshire pudding wrap. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a roast. Like in 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 Britain, our kind of Sunday roast. The gravy, the chicken, the uh, Yorkshire pudding, the potatoes. The stuffing, all that, you know, all that good stuff, um, that you get in a roast, you get in a wrap, but instead of having like a a bread wrap, like a bread kind of like a roll, uh, the actual bread to maintain the aforementioned structural integrity is, uh, is Yorkshire pudding. So they basically made a Yorkshire pudding, wrapped up a whole, well, near like a half a, half a a roast dinner and kind of made like a burrito out of it. And like you eat it. It, It's very greasy, but my God, it tastes good. So, So I would sort of, um, set up like a British, Yorkshire pudding roll restaurant. Or all, be, so... or take, uh, and people would just be covering all the lampposts around Yoyogi Park and all the trees in Greece. It would be the greasiest park in the whole of Japan. <laughs> it would be fantastic. Oh, I... I hate
2: to say it, but that wouldn't do well. We know how uh, Japanese people view Why? British cuisine in general. I think a sloppy Yorkshire pudding batter... With gravy wrapped around some chicken, it just wouldn't go down well. They'd be like horrified by the fact it you looks reckon? visually appalling, even if it does yeah, like, taste great. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it but like, oh, all right, but
1: but, but it, they're obsessed with the French. So just pretend it's like French, kind of uh, like a fancy French crepe. or something. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be bang up it's, for it.
2: Brilliant. So there we go. Burger Hands and Yorkshire pudding. What are you going to call your brand? This this incredible chain, pizza uh, chain. A greasy boy. Get yourself a greasy boy. Greasy boy and burger hands. Job done. There you go. (laughs) hope that uh, fulfills your question, Christian. Uh, One here from Vanessa. says, hello, Chris and Pete. Both of you are great. Thank you for being the best and influencing my big trip to Japan last year. I had lots of fun based on your videos. I could go on, but I think it'll be better served to get into the good stuff. Since tattoos and onsen are a common inquiry, I thought I would share my experience. While staying in Osaka, I went on a guided hike over Mount Rokor, into a small hot spring town called Arima. This was the most difficult hike I've probably ever gone on, with brutal humidity and lots of rock climbing, plus billions of stairs, billions of stairs. The hike was to end with an onsen, a good old hot spring soak in Arima. The tour guide insisted that the hot spring was tattoo-friendly. I've always wanted to go to an onsen, but I have fairly prominent tattoos, particularly in my particularly my newest which is a large rendition of my family crest containing a swan with an arrow piercing its heart on my chest well wow, that's pretty cool wow uh, that's i've a family I, quest, uh, quest yeah. isn't it i've heard people i've heard stories of people getting kicked out uh, of even supposedly tattoo friendly hot springs and let's face it if I was ordered to nakedly do the walk of shame out of there I would have been mortified beyond belief to top it off my hiking companions were both male so I was going in alone I was seemingly the only non-Japanese woman in there so that did not help with my nervousness but my tired body needed it so I went for it on my way into the bath after nervously disrobing an older looking janitor lady stopped me and said and I thought, oh, God, no, this is it. As it turned out, all she wanted to do was give me a hair tie. Another problem emerged. I'm pretty much blind without my glasses, and I couldn't really wear them in the bath. It turned out not to be a problem, though, as I realised that when when you can't see people, it's much easier to pretend that they're not there. So I soothed my aching bones in the tub, disassociating everyone while they ignored the slightly overweight tattooed gaijin and gave me lots of space. Overall, it was a very nice time. Please keep up the fantastic work, guys. Lots of love from Vanessa. There you go, folks. Don't worry about going into an onsen with a tattoo, just as long as you don't wear glasses. What do you think? Yeah, about I mean,
1: that, Pete? I mean, Vanessa sounds brilliant. Just like it, it is, sort of like a great sort of lesson for life. If you're a bit nervous or a bit anxious, just close your eyes. No, no one can see you. Then no one can see you. I love it. Flawless. I got a lot of time for strategy. that. Well, I, I'm I, watching, think, um, I was watching. I was watching. Sorry, Chris, carry no, on, on, mate. Well, oh, we are we are miles away, so the latency is occasionally a little bit problematic. If you've been listening to any podcast in the last uh, two months, everyone's re- recording remotely, and everyone's having problems and kind of like anxiety about talking over each other. We've been doing this for three years, mate, so we've we know how to deal with it. And we, Chris, is on the other side of the world. Chris is miles away, sitting here.
2: Drinking my zone energy drink. Now, what I was going to say is, I mean, we've seen a lot of people ring in or not ring in, drop into the fax machine concerned about uh, hot springs and tattoos. And it seems to be the issue is improving. They seem to be more open minded to folks coming in with tattoos. I don't know why that. I think it's mainly because of the Olympics, right? The Olympics, a lot of places wanted to prepare for foreign tourists. And lots of people have tattoos, including yourself, Pete. I know Pete and I went in, I think we went in two onsen i don't remember the one we went in did was was there a sign saying no tattoos do you remember i can't recall
1: i do not the one that me and you went into said no i didn't i I didn't see any saying no tattoos but as i said that old man sat down and there was blood he left a a, a puddle of blood on the on the seat so i mean (sighs) you know i mean your tattoos aren't so bad if if that's the worst thing yeah if i'm the worst thing about that onsen (laughs) <laughs> he must be up there as well, for crying out loud.
2: Yeah, tattoo of Guy, guy Brush Threepwood. That's not that bad, is it? It's
1: actually uh, the, the ghost Pirate of the truck, so have Shut some up. respect for Monkey Island. Too. I don't hmm. remember it. I was like five when it came out. Anyway, what were you going to
2: say ah, before I cut you off? I'm so young.
1: Away? I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember now. Uh, tattoos. Hey. Yeah. We, get, we do get... I think if we sort of cut up the whole email box... Um, that uh, I, I, I'll level with you. I, I don't have access to it. Chris might have given me access a long time ago, but I've long since lost that uh, login. But, um, but I machine like 20, is mine, The fast machine so is mine. controlled solely by Chris. Um, I, there's so many, like people have such a kind of, uh, a big uh, kind of, uh, like they have a big love for tattoos, obviously, and, and so they, and a lot of the West is now tattooed. If you sort of mm. asked this question 10, 10 years ago, and like 20% of the, the questions you get in, that, in in the fax machine box, I do think are mainly sort of tattoo based. It's really, really bizarre. People seem very anxious about their tattoos. Do not worry about it. Charlotte, your mate Charlotte was doing a video up chris about i think it was just a question answer thing i was just watching idly while i was cooking my dinner and uh sorry no actively i was very i was enthralled but um she was talking about uh, there's a chain of uh kind of onsen hotels where you can kind of upgrade and have your own onsen in your own room which is just like yeah. insane i would be just like a prune i would just i wouldn't use the bed i would sleep in the onsen <laughs> it would be fantastic <laughs>
2: yeah no like a good there's most the orkans most traditional japanese inns do have a room with like a private bath like a decent sized bath i've stayed at a few you can get them for 300 dollars a night sometimes usually they're more than that but if you come to japan for like a week a or two do it one night if you can spare the change do it one night and you won't regret it having your own private bath with a good view and you get some really good ones like the ones with the uh, views over the aforementioned Mount Fuji, but there you go. Thank you for your story, Vanessa. Good one. Uh, what have we got from Jay, Mr. Dawson?
1: We got an email from Jay. I am filling for time. I as I like, open oh, my uh, iPads. Uh, Good day, Chris and Pete. My name is Jay, and I live in uh, New Zealand. I've been fascinated by Japan since high school. I managed to go there for the first time last year, November, with my brother, and had an absolute blast. Um, managed to spot a lot of the best Japan hotspots, like Yaru uh, Ramen in Akihabara. And I'm uh, American Mura in uh, Osaka. I've been self-studying Japanese for a while and I feel I can hold a basic conversation. And for my next trip to Japan, ah, my iPad, Chris has gone funny. Um, and for my next trip to <laughs> Japan, iPad. I would, <laughs> I'd love to interact more with the locals. My question is, what are some good ways to approach locals as a foreigner with limited Japanese skills? Cheers, lads. Jay, I mean, obviously your Japanese is excellent, Chris. Uh, mine is not, uh, I enchanted, uh, a man in Kuomoto, I think this year, uh, with a picture of me dressed as Goromajima, a character from the Yakuza series. He could not have been happier. He rang his friend, who was English, I think um right. who spoke to me on the phone for five minutes not really sure what that was about uh, and then <laughs> and then everyone in the in the bar added me on facebook uh so brilliant yeah just show you show a picture of you dressed in cosplay and they seem to sort of really respect you i don't know
2: if you come to japan for two weeks by the time you leave you will have an extra 200 facebook friends because here they love it like one love it little bit of conversation, a 50-second conversation, and it'll usually end with, can I add you on Facebook? And you're like, yeah, because you have to be nice about it. You can't be like, no, no, you can't. I'm very careful about who I add on Facebook. You have to just sort of say yes. So whenever I travel, I always come back with like a a few hundred new Facebook friends. Uh, So it's a bit awkward because later on down the line, you just don't know who they are or where they've come from. And that's what my Facebook is like today.
1: But uh, people who like babies and stuff, and you're like, someone's had a baby. I have no idea. I have no idea. I think he was the bar manager in a bar in Yokohama or something.
2: I mean, my advice just go up. And I I always find people here don't make the first move. Have you found that, Pete? People are a bit reluctant until, unless you're in a bar, in which case anything happens. But other than that, it's quite hard, it's quite uncommon for people to make the first move, particularly in Tohoku where they're pretty damn shy compared to Osaka or Kagoshima where they're a lot more friendly, down-to-earth and open. Uh, but in Tohoku they're very shy. But if you have a, a little bit of conversation, if you just sort of start the conversation get the ball rolling, then they're very open and friendly and awesome And So you've just got to say something like, I don't know, hello. I'm Chris from England. Harry Potter. Yeah. I don't know. Just start saying something and magic will happen as you found
1: out. Pete. Big, big smile. Just say a yeah, big smile. Be, you know, very sort of open and kind of, you know, even if you're not that in reinvent yourself for the, uh, for the duration of your trip, maybe. Perfect. There you go.
2: No <laughs> Japanese required. Uh, got one for Paul it says, Hey, Chris and Pete. Why question is what's an inconvenience you find endearing that only exists in Japan? Uh, best regards, Paul. That's a tough one because I don't find anything inconvenient and endearing. Do you find anything inconvenient and endearing? You
1: definitely uh, do. Just things, I like, mean, just filling in forms for everything. So just the, the very, just people taking a lot, a lot of time to sort of do things, and just also the lack it's of bins very much everywhere. Super convenient or super
2: inconvenient? Here, like, yeah, when it comes to the there's service, no middle ground is there? There isn't when it comes to like buying things or shopping. It's all very convenient and magical but when it comes to living in japan and doing various bureaucratic things like registering where you live or getting a new car which i talked about at length a few weeks ago everything's just so damn complicated like at the moment we every resident in japan has been given a hundred thousand yen from the government to stimulate the economy because of a a bloody virus that you'll already know about and it's just like a hundred thousand yen great but you get, I've got like an envelope and it's got like 25 documents and it's take half an hour to fill out and I've got to provide ID and all this weird crap. It just feels like, I don't know if I can be bothered. I think I'll just not get 100 grand because <laughs> I just can't be bothered because it's so much bloody effort. Um, yeah. So no, nothing's endearing, nothing at all. And so that's the end of that question. Um, We've got one here from Stanley in New Zealand. He says, hello, Chris and Pete. I've enjoyed the Abroad Japan channel for over a year now. And I have a question for both of you legends. If the world of podcasting and radio and YouTubing were to stop tomorrow, what would you guys do for a career and a job? Keep up the great work, Stanley Long in New Zealand.
1: What would you do, Pete? What would you do without podcasts? I don't know. I, I, I mean, there's a little part of me that would just, if I just didn't have a i didn't co-own a company or have relationships here i I, I would just sod off to Japan and and China for like like half a year or something I've never gone traveling as you know I'm I'm from quite a working class uh, background Chris so um it was never an option for me to sort of after I finished um college go um go traveling like a lot of people I know now uh did um it's just it just was just never on the on the agenda Mm. so like I think to take a year out and, and, and and potter around uh would be really cool but um yeah, I, I, I think you would though, it? start to go a little bit in stonker. Now it's not no. Well, <laughs> homeless person. I don't know. Just a around. I've got no hard skills, Chris. I'm a tinkerer. I potter around with little bits. I know a bit of Photoshop. I know a bit of After Effects. I can play trades, five chords on the guitar. There's nothing, you know. There's nothing remarkable about me. <laughs> I'd be you could be if I wasn't a podcaster.
2: No, no, no. I know what you could do. You could be. A wedding host, like someone who hosts weddings, like the wedding, wedding singer.
1: Wedding Do that. Yeah, but I did a speech at my, oh, just a reading at my uh, sister's uh, wedding. And I don't know what it was, but the pressure just really got to me. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't, public. I'm pretty pretty, usually, it. all right, I'm usually pretty good at public speaking in that, like, I don't really care about what people think about me. And, you, and I think in any job, I think the best thing to be is, like, just don't care about what people think about you because you will be a, a more, um, I don't know, you'll be you'll, you'll be a bigger person and you'll just enjoy yourself a little bit more. But I think with, um, yeah, it's just in front of me, dad and me, mum, I just kind of couldn't read properly. I, I'm not a, I'm not a natural performer, but if I'm doing like a, if I'm hosting like an indie gig or something and I'm introducing a mm. band, I'm like, I don't care about the people watching this shitty indie band. I don't give a shit about their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit about this band. I'm getting paid 50 pounds to do this.
2: You'd be great. You'd be a performer. You could be like a, one of the people that works at Disneyland, dress up as Donald Duck, walk around, be a bit like funny the, and no. wacky. We'll be That's like what you um,
1: do. It, I like the anom- anon, anonymity of like being like big. Anonymity. Uh, the an- amoeba. Uh, I like the anonymity. I can't say anonymity this morning. It's early, Chris. Christ. I've not had me join the juice uh, uh, hot sandwich. Um, yeah, I I'd, I'd like the idea of like sort of going, going like like going up the kids and going doing like a Mickey voice, going, hello kids, oh. and then like getting really close to their face and going, "I'm going to kill you," <laughs> scaring them.
2: Bloody! Did I tell you about Stay the, my in first, school first trip to Disneyland, Florida when I was nine? I got some popcorn and I was walking around, and uh, I think what was it? Pluto the dog was there in a costume, and he came and stood next to me for a photo. We took the photo. Uh, While my family had their backs turned and they were looking at the photo, Pluto took my box of popcorn that I was holding and just walked off with it and disappeared. And that was it. (laughs) My popcorn went. Scarred me for life, that did.
1: What a gag. What a brilliant gag.
2: It wasn't a gag. I didn't get my popcorn back. He literally just went off with my popcorn. That's why I'm so bitter and sarcastic in everything I do. Because I think about how Pluto took advantage of me as a nine-year-old child in Florida so, <laughs> so. <laughs> Sounds, sounds <That's>, bad, that. <laughs> that's what I would do. If the world of YouTube were to collapse tomorrow, I'd go to Florida and wreak revenge on Pluto the dog in Disneyland, Orlando. Uh, keep the stories, comments, questions coming into Abroad Japan Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back same time next week, folks, to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, stay safe, stay clean, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Have a good one. Stay away from Pluto. Bye bye.